0: The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narcanon Suncoast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Addiction Podcast. My name is Joni Siegel, and I will be your host for today. This is episode number 121, and today we have an interview with a mother. Her name is Erin. And Erin has a very powerful story to share with us today. She also wrote a book. It's about her son, Chad Miller. She wrote a book that will be published next month. That would be August 2019. And I wanted her to share her story because I think it will be very impactful. So without further ado, let's talk to Erin Miller. So Aaron, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Um, you've already been telling me a little bit about w- what's been going on. But if you could go back to the beginning and tell me, I know this is a story about your son, Chad, and how did Chad get started on drugs and how did you find out? Go back to the beginning.
1: Oh, yeah. So first of all, I want to thank you for every single thing you are doing on your podcast because uh, I never ever thought I would be the one speaking about addiction. Because I don't have it. I didn't, I didn't get it. Right. However, I realized that you are talking to people like me 10 years ago, five years ago. So I want to thank you for everything you are doing first. And I want to also acknowledge that every single thing I'm talking about, is not easy. For the grace of God, I got to where the point is where I can talk about it and it's really super hard. And so I apologize if I don't say all the right things or, you know, I mean, I, you know, I get under heat very quickly when I start talking about these things because not everyone gets this. And, and I hope nobody, this is the whole point of this, is that I hope less people need to get, a, get what I'm talking about here today. Exactly. So, yeah, exactly. So uh, Chad Miller uh, is 21 year old. Um, uh, first of all, I just want to say he was my son and he's a big brother to his uh, baby sister, Kaylee. And he was the guy that everybody wanted to be like. He's tall, dark, handsome. He's got a heart of gold. He really just has like this million dollar smile. If you were lucky enough to meet him, you didn't forget him. He had this amazing ability to light up the room when you walk in. He was like a mag- magnet. People like gravitated to him. His quick wit, caring, compassionate way made him a great leader and motivated just to be better and make other people better. He was charismatic. He's authentic. He's sympathetic, he's kind-hearted, and he always took the path less traveled. He always stood up for what he believed in. He always stood up for the underdog on and off the ice, and it really made him a fan favorite. He was off following his dreams from Canada. We live in Portage, la Prairie, Manitoba, a town of 14,000 people, off to Chicago, following his dreams to one day maybe make it into the NHL, which is freaking awesome. That is so awesome. And somewhere along along his journey, Uh, Even when he was younger, he had some addiction issues. Um, You know, in the end, for his story...
0: Wait, let me stop you, Erin.
1: Erin, you said even
0: when he was younger, he had some addiction
1: problems. What was that? So this is really interesting because, you know, um, so he died November 30th, 2014, of a heroin drug overdose. Um, I got every parent's worst nightmare phone call one day uh, with your are you Mary Miller, Chad Miller's son? I'm like, oh my God. But how we got there is just very interesting. So, you know, I've been blessed with a journal of his. So I got a lot of insight in what his life, what he thought his life was like. I, I didn't know some of these things. Maybe I should have known. Maybe I should have looked a little bit more. I don't know. But I just, I just have a lot of insight. And so that's why I'm sharing this story. So, you know, when he was around 15, 16 years old in his journal, he talks about how yeah, he turned to drugs and alcohol because he Didn't even know who his biological dad was. Uh. And I was like, when I was, when I was reading this a year and a half after he died, I'm like, what the heck? This is why he started having addiction issues. Wow. I'm like, this kid had more, this kid had more love. I'm telling you, this kid had more love than anybody. I look around, I don't see anyone, any other kid have more love than this kid. I had him when I was 15 years old. He was my whole life. He's my parents' whole life, right? He, he, he was awesome, right? I mean, he, he had lots of opportunities, right? So, so if he was feeling like he was lost and alone and, 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 he, and he didn't think he could come to us or, we, you know, this is many years later, maybe there wasn't the help that there is today, you know, the judgment was there, all those things. Like there, there's many, many things in, in our story. But, um, you know, looking back at some things, you know, we don't know what we don't know. I know myself, I didn't get addicted to drugs in my whole journey of getting rid of pain, suffering, trauma, abuse, all those things, because I never tried them. Not once. right. Right. I didn't try them. Right. So what happened is, you know, as, as we as we go forward in life, we sometimes try these things or in situations where these things are at. Or even sometimes, you know, maybe a doctor prescribes you something that gets you addicted to something that gets you addicted to that feeling. Right. right. And and, you know, five years later, when I was in Chicago, well, he was laying on life support. I'm talking to the Chicago police. How the heck does this happen? Okay, you tell me how the heck this happens. This is five years ago, right? They said, oh, yeah, like uh, we're in an epidemic, you know, heroin, cocaine, fentanyl. They talk about fentanyl to me. I never, ever heard about that before except for I worked in an operating room. That's the only way I ever heard about it. They said to me, in five years from now, Aaron, this is going to be killing your son's friends in Canada. I'm like, what do you mean in five years from now, it's going to be killing my son's friends? Heroin, cocaine, like I don't even know anything about this stuff. And then I'm like, wow, he dies. November thirtieth, I have to take him off life support. He dies on my arms. He, it, it's a disaster. Okay, it is every freaking parent's worst freaking nightmare, and it is my reality. And they say to me, we all pray around his room, around his bed. You know, the the spiritual leaders, the the Chicago uh, police, the the nurses, the doctors, my family, and we say one day he's he's taking a fall because one day I'm going to be his voice, right? I'm going to be his voice of how the heck he got here. Well, I don't even actually know how he got here, right? I'm I'm thinking like, oh my god. Because this is going to kill his, his friends. And now here we are five years later. And for the grace of God, I got to where I am today to be sharing his story. Because guess what? It is killing his friends. Wow. Yes, killing his friends. It's, it's actually killing families. It's, it's traumatizing us all. Yeah. And it was actually just yesterday that I realized that fentanyl was actually part of this deal. So five years ago, they said cocaine, heroin. But those are only two, two things I heard. Okay. So I didn't know about fentanyl. I didn't know about anything else. So then my friend said to me yesterday, we're having coffee. They're like, Aaron, was it fentanyl? Did he die of a fentanyl drug overdose? I'm like, oh, good question. I don't know. I actually don't know. I remember the same cocaine and heroin. Those were the two things that were like really, you know, I mean, this is five years ago, right? I'm from Canada. So fentanyl, so I'm saying it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and then, yeah, so then I, I look in his chart, and Yeah, sure enough. There's fentanyl in his system. Well, okay, fentanyl. Oh, fentanyl. My daughter, Kaylee, <laughs> correcting me. <laughs> Um, but that's all right fentanyl that's how i say yeah Yeah. i don't i don't know the lingo right but but i'm like i'm like holy shit aren't they right because guess what shortly after i get back to work i'm the i'm the director of the hospital foundation um you know all these things are going on oh there's these signs that says fentanyl kills with a little tag on someone's toe and and no wonder i keep on getting triggered by this like and 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 sure enough like this is what's happening We're, we're in a crisis there's 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 it's a it's a complete mess. We are in a complete mess. So I decide that I need to do something about this. So Aaron, it's not just about even. Erin, I'm going to stop yeah, you again.
0: So you said yeah. he started on on drugs at 15 because he didn't know who his biological father was. Mm. What drugs was okay. he doing back then?
1: Good question. So you know, in hindsight, I kind of know a little bit more now. Right. I mean, he was smoking weed. He was uh, a, a dr- like a, drinking a lot, and um, I think he had done cocaine. Okay. But you know what? If anyone says anything to me, I'm not surprised. I don't know, right? I only know what I know by people are telling me this, right? right. So he decides that he doesn't want this kind of life. He wants better. So he's going to go off to university. So he goes off to college. And I'm sure he had a lot of fun when he was in college. I'm, I'm sure most kids when they're 19 years old, leaving their mother for the first time, have a lot of fun. But he's winning. And then he goes off to Chicago and he's going to play junior A hockey. So he's going off to play junior A hockey for the Ileana Blackbirds. And by this time, he is winning well. He is winning at everything. He's had a fresh start. Right. He's finding himself. These arenas are full of people with signs saying, Go Chad Miller. They're, they're, they're waiting after the game for all the goals for him. He's found himself. He's a six foot five, six foot one hockey player that is excelling and scoring tons of goals. He's a leader. He's an awesome. He has found himself and he's better. Achieving he's his dream. He's more than good. He's, he's more than good. He's not only living his dream. He's living my dream because, uh, you know, I had him when I was 15 years old. So I didn't even realize, really realize how much I had missed out in my, in my kind of life until he became about 15 years old. And I was like, oh my God, it's so lucky. He's getting to go do all these amazing things, right? Yeah, This is amazing. So he has tons of opportunity. He is the guy. And I'm like, when I go down there, I'm just like, oh my God, I am watching him play and I'm watching and I'm watching him on the on the blue line, and I'm listening to the American anthem and the Canadian anthem, and I am crying. Aww. I'm thinking, how did we get here? Yeah. Yes, we won, right? Because we kept on working hard. We kept on doing better, right? But then um, he did excellent the first year, uh, more than excellent. The last game, um, one of the last games of the year, he's in the playoffs. I'm watching it uh, in Canada with my mom. Mm. Uh, my ex-husband's down there watching him, and he, he gets an award. He's like the number one top, or something I, I'm not exactly sure what he is but he, he makes an all-star team and I guess this is like qu- quite a big deal I never really I don't really know exactly what it was but it, w- it was a big deal so he phones me and he says mom my jersey's going up in the rafters I'm like oh my god Wow. Man, my goes, what the heck next thing I know he's not playing I'm like where the heck is he he separated his shoulder I'm like oh my god he separated his shoulder what now so and they, they put it back into place a couple weeks later I get a call from his billet mom. So his Bill and is someone he lives with in Chicago. She is an emergency room nurse in Chicago. And she says to me, Erin, bad news. They give Chad Vicodin. I'm like, what the heck is Vicodin? What the heck Vicodin? I mean, I, so I start looking at up. I'm like, oh, God, this is more than bad news. This is really bad news. She goes, we are in a drug epidemic in Chicago right now. you got to remember, this is five years ago, or even more than now, like six, seven years ago. Wow. I was in this little tiny town. She's in Chicago. She's like, this is a nightmare, Erin like okay okay so what what do we need to do well it's an epidemic we're in a drug epidemic people are getting addicted to these drugs blah, blah, blah. okay well we need to bring him home <laughs> like we need to bring him home so we do he he doesn't know any different right he, he's just done what what people have told him to do right like but Chad like like, like this isn't a feeling right you feel really good when you're on this stuff right oh yeah because because I started doing all the studying how do you feel when you're on this and then you know and, and so I'm like this is not good so and anyway, he was he prescribed back, it right What's that? He was yeah, prescribed, he was prescribed it. By it. Yeah, so he actually got it from uh, the, the athletic trainer at the Chicago Blackhawks. So he was not affiliated with the Chicago Blackhawks, but his coach was an ex-Chicago Blackhawks player. So I don't know. I think, I think, you know, everyone's just trying to, hey, you should see Chad. He separated his shoulder. Yeah, we should look after him, right? And so, I mean, he was in his freaking glory when he was in that, that athletic training room. In the NHL, it's the Chicago Blackhawks. That is a Canadian dream, right? Right. So, I mean, and I'm not blaming anyone for anything that happened, but they gave him Vicodin, and and maybe they give their players Vicodin. I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, I I know a lot now more now, but at the time, I didn't know, right? So, I mean, whatever, right? I mean, right. And so, uh, it ends up that he, in you know, he, he comes home. You can't be on this stuff. This is a nightmare. Try to explain it to him. I've done all the research. He's not going to sit down and do any of the research with me. I tell him what Karen told me. You know, his billet mom, this is a disaster. She's been seeing this going on for a couple of years. We don't even know what the hell this even is in Canada or where I live. And then he goes back. So he goes back to play and he's not playing as well this this time. You know, he's. He, I can see that there's a change in him and I feel like I'm losing touch. So, I, I so he didn't stop
0: connection. taking it. What's that? He didn't stop taking it.
1: Vicodin. I, I believe he did. I believe he got oh. what he got, and then he came home, and I don't think he took it anymore. Oh, I mean, we're, okay. I don't know. I, but I mean, this is the thing. I don't know. Right. I don't know. Right? I mean, I really don't know. I mean, I think, you I think he, you know, I don't know if he got 100 pills or one, one pill. I, I, I don't know. I don't know that. He's not here to tell me, right? Mm-hmm. So this is all kind of putting together things after. I know he had a prescription because I did see it, and I know he did get it filled. So I do, I do know that. I do know those sorts of things. I know he was taking this Vicodin. Right. Um, So uh, then we went back for the second year. Things weren't going quite as well. He wasn't doing quite as good. And uh, it was in January, and I got a call. They're like, Aaron, Chad's gotten himself in trouble. I'm like, what do you mean he's gotten himself in trouble? Him and his Russian roommate tried to buy heroin. I'm like, what the hell? What the hell? They tried to buy heroin? I'm like, he needs to come home right now, like today. Can't come home today. He got arrested. I'm like, what do you mean he got arrested? We live in Canada. He's in the United States and he's with a Russian boy. What the hell is this stuff? So anyways, by this time, I am completely out of the loop. I'm only being told what they want me to hear. I don't really know what's happening. I'm asking a whole bunch of questions and I'm, and I'm only getting what they're telling me, right? Right. And I believe, and, and everyone, everyone cares about Chad. Chad is awesome. Chad is awesome, right? Chad's awesome. This is, this is, this is, this is not good, right? So we get him home and I say to him, you need to stay home now. This is it. Your, your junior hockey is over. You, 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 you broke all sorts of records. Now we need you to get a job, get a lot, like whatever, right? This is, and he's like, no, I'm going back to Chicago. because That's where my whole life is. My girlfriend's there. Um, the, this university team wants me to play. I'm like, you can't go back, Chad. Like, you literally cannot go back. I went to Chicago to one of his last games. And I was sitting there, standing there actually at the glass, watching a crowd full of people that were super happy to be watching him play people with signs, Chad Miller. I want your autograph. Duh. And I'm standing there watching him skate by. And one of his friends, dad's come to me. He's a lawyer from Chicago that we had to hire. He says to me, Aaron, can I talk to you for a second? I'm like, yes, please. I, yes. Yes. I want to talk to you. He says, I hate to tell you this, but you can never trust Chad again. I'm like, what do you mean? I can never trust him again. He's like, Aaron, he tried heroin one time. That means you can't, you can't trust him again. I'm like, you're kidding me. Right. And he says, no, and I'm not telling you this to be mad or mean, but like you do heroin one time. You try it one time, one time. That's all it takes. You, you, you It will haunt you for the rest of your life. And as we were standing there watching Chad skate by, I was like, I lost him. I lost him. Wow. I knew I lost him. It didn't matter where he went in this world. I lost him. And uh, that was a really, really hard thing to, to, um, to think like. When is this going to happen, right? right? When is this going to happen? And uh, so he came back to Portage, La Prairie, for the summer. He got a great job. He was doing amazing things. He was really interacting with his sister. Everything was good. I mean, everything was fairly good, but he was making a plan to go back to Chicago. And I said to him, you can't go back. I remember sitting at the kitchen table saying, you can't go back. I sat with my mom. I said, he can't go back. He goes back. He comes back in a body bag. I listened to the, I've been doing all the research. I don't know what the heck's going on here, you guys. I'm listening to the lawyer. He's not telling me this because he wants me to feel bad. He's telling me this because he's warning me. Right. He is seeing this disaster in front of his eyes as being a lawyer in downtown Chicago. So I don't know why I'm not listening to him. Like right. he knows what's he knows what's happening, right? Yep. So bottom line is, Chad goes back to Chicago. He's going to go to university. It was tough love for me. I said I can't help you. I don't want you to go. Anyways, um, November nineteenth, two thousand and. Uh, 14. I got every parent's worst nightmare phone call. Um, are you Erin Miller? I'm Dr. Hall from Mount Hearst hospital. Your son has been brought in here. What we suspect is a drug overdose and you need to get back down here as soon as possible. I'm like, Oh, right, great. Right. My parents were just there two days before two days before they watched him score a goal. He was winning. He was mm-hmm. winning. It's like, Jesus. you know, so for uh, 11 days, I watched him on life support. You know, as they prepped me to take him off life support, you know, what was happening around the world, people were starting to trend, Miller Strong. You know, the waiting room would fill up of, you know, hundreds of people that just, you know, he had made, made such a big impact in 21 years, right? Wow. And, uh, yeah, he made such a big impact on people. Like, there was coaches, there was, like, players, kids that he read to in the library. And Miller Strong on the internet started trending. So in this hospital room, everyone was like, okay what the hell are we doing right the first couple days i'm there i'm like okay he's on dialysis he's on a feeding tube he has a catheter he has this so they take me to the chapel every day to pray first time in my life i'm praying i'm in the chapel praying for some sort of miracle after the fourth day i say what am i supposed to be praying for honestly what am i supposed to be praying for he's brain dead you guys have actually told me he's brain dead he's 21 years old and he's healthy and he's brain dead so what am i supposed to be praying for and they said you need to pray that one day you will be his voice okay let's start praying for that then so they start you know prepping me to take him off life support and he's going to be a donor and i've got to figure out how this canadian boy that's on american soil he's dying on american soil because i want to get him back to canada before he dies it's impossible they're telling me there's no way unless you had a helicopter pad waiting at your hospital in portage he can't go. I'm like, well, we don't even have a hospital teleport yet. I'm working on it, but I don't have one yet because I'm, I'm the director of the hospital at this point, right? Right. They say he's going to die on American soil. I'm like, okay, well, how do we get him home? Oh, he's got to come home on an airplane. No, he's not coming home on an airplane. I say, he's got to come home on the same road he traveled, right? So I'm having to make these decisions about talking to the people in the morgue, talking to the, the coroner's office, talking. To, and the people don't think this can actually happen to them. It can. Yep. And it happened to me and it's happening more and more. I think it's like one in five or one in four people or four people every day in the United States today are dying of drug overdose. It's, some, it's something just, just astronomical. And five years ago, it was, it was nothing compared to that. Right. So if we don't, and, and if none of us start taking a stand and making change, nothing happens. Nothing happens. That's right. And I never want to sit with one mother ever that I can actually say, I could have actually helped your son by telling my story. Right, You know, I got really motivated and to get better. And, and, it, and that was a, that's a whole other journey. I, I You know, I worked super hard to get better. And when I did get better to launch a foundation to help all these things that were they're failing us, right from identity issues to, you know, mothers having children when they don't have support to, you know, uh, mental health issues, to addiction, to trauma, to all these things. I was, a re- I was t- detained in Canada, for 4 after the Mental Health Act put in a mental institution, because I had grandiose thinking, thinking I could change the world one person at a time. So I'm like, you know, you just don't win. You just don't win.
0: Just a reminder that you are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast, go to theaddictionpodcast.com, or visit and like our Facebook page by the same name, or email us at the Addiction Podcast at yahoo.com or call us at 727 314 7080. For further information on Narcanon Sun Coast, call 877 339 3324. Please subscribe to The Addiction Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five star review. Do you have a loved one struggling with drug addiction or alcohol addiction, and you've tried everything to help them and failed? Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast for a 10% discount, or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. That's newmaninterventions.com, N-E-W-M-A-N-I-N-T-E-R-V-E-N-T-I-O-N-S.com. Calm. This service comes with a free one hour consultation with Bobby. Do it today. So you finally yeah. get through the unbelievable horror of you losing your son, and you decide that you're now going to do something, you know, in a big way so that other mothers don't have to go through the same horror. And because you've been the the president of a foundation, you know how to start a foundation. So you decide to start a foundation and you get Baker acted and put into a psych hospital because you want to help. So I know that doesn't this probably does speak about
1: addiction in a lot of ways, but I launched my foundation on October the 18th. So my friend's daughter, Amber McFarland, has been murdered from my community of 14,000 people 10 years ago on October 18th. When I didn't think I could do this anymore, I hate everything about ShotStory. story. I hate everything. But I didn't have to look very far. Look down the street from, or down the hall from my office. My friend's daughter She's murdered. We don't even know where she is. We don't even know what the fuck happened. Pardon my language. We don't even know what happened to her. We don't even know what happened to her. So I got motivated. I started realizing I had purpose. I'm going to find her. I don't care what it takes. If it means that I'm going to get up today and have a shower, I'm going to find Amber McFarland. So I got motivated, right? I got really, really motivated. That was Chad's bigger purpose. Right. I found God along the journey. I said to God, um, okay, well, I'm dying. Like, literally, I'm dying. I, I already died. I'm dying. I, this mental health system is assailing is me. I'm doing every single thing I can, and I've died. I, I can't win. It doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't. So I just took his journal. I was blessed with his journal. And a, and a little suicide note for myself, or I don't even know if it was like a goodbye letter, or I don't even know what it was, and I just laid on his bedroom floor and said, okay, God, either you tell me what Chad's biggest, bigger purpose was, or you take me. It's one or the other. And I'm sorry if I should have done something different or if I could have done something different, but I honestly just did the best I could my whole life. Right. I've made the best decisions I could my whole life. And and I never want anyone to have any of these bad things happen to them, from being raped when you're 14 years old to having a child living in poverty to, you know, I mean, I had lots of chances around my way. and. And we were, we're just not winning. And, 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 and God basically just said, okay, Aaron, you need to, he got, got me up. He's like, Aaron, sell your house. Quit your job. Get off the stupid medication you're on. Start a trust foundation member of your son. Do it on October 18th, the day that your friend, you know, Lori McFarland, she's really important to you. Do it on October 18th. So you know what? We find her daughter. Even if we don't find her, we talk about missing people every October 18th. And on November 30th, we talk about your son. We talk about all the people that have died for it. So I'm thinking, oh, okay, I'm going for this. Along my journey, I went, uh, Lori and I went to San Francisco. I actually tested God at Hillsong because I'm like, I know I'm going to get kicked around. Because I know not everyone's going to get what I'm talking about. The n- but 99% of us are. right. 99% of us, what I'm talking about, are going to get it. right. But the 1% isn't. And the 1% are the people that have control of money. And I get that. I get that, but if they think that this can't happen to them, it can. Absolutely. It I've been to these rehab centers. I've seen these guys. I've, I've seen. I've seen. I've seen rich men in there. Absolutely. Rich businessmen. I've seen doctors in there. Guess what? They're addicted to Ventanol. That's right. That's why they're addicted to it because the system's failing them too. They're working twenty four hours. They are looking after people like Chad, and they're having to talk to mothers like me and say, "Your son's going to die." Right. So I'm like, okay. This trust is going to help a whole bunch of people because if, if we all say we can't do anything about it, because really, we all we, in the system we're in right now, we can't do anything about it. We are in a crisis. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's start this trust, you know, and one person at a time we can make these changes. I already knew we were making these changes. So, uh, you know, I got really blessed along my journey to uh, get blessed with God's favor and uh, either you tell me his bigger purpose or you take me. And he decided to tell me Chad's bigger purpose, and it was to share his story. So I needed to get really good and really, you know, better. So I, I, I invested in myself. You know, I took, I took some money of Chad's, and I was like, okay, you need to get better. You know, if you're going to tell Chad's story, you need to learn how to put on your shoes again. Because, like, I show up at counseling with no shoes on. It's minus 50 in Winnipeg, Manitoba. And I'm showing up at counseling with frostbite on my feet. Because I can't even figure out how to get my shoes on. Because at this point, I'm on 12 medications. Oh my goodness. I'm on a pill pack. I'm on a pill pack now from my psychiatrist. Because I have everything wrong with me. But you know what I have wrong with me? that I'm completely heartbroken. Yeah. Actually, what I have wrong with me, I don't have anything else wrong with me, That I am heartbroken. I had my son, 15 years old. He died of a drug overdose. After I had to take him, off life support. Yeah.
0: I yeah. I I I'm so sorry that you had to go through that. i no, I, I just I'm okay. I'm a mom like, I'm, and I'm okay I can't I, I you know, no. I just I can't even yeah. imagine. No, I
1: no, I know, but like, you know, when I when I say that it's like those are the real facts. Those are shitty facts. Those are really shitty things. I'm I'm glad today that I can actually talk about it, you know, two years ago. I couldn't even go past the funeral home because yep. he was still there and I didn't know what to do with him, you know? Yep. So, I, so I just got, I just got motivated to, to start purpose, right? I mean, I had lots of purpose. I knew where it happened to him. I hated everything about it, but I knew what happened to him. You know how many other people don't even have purpose? There's missing people, like my, my friend's daughter, right? And then legacy. You know, some of my friend's friends' kids had died and they don't have another child. I had another child. Yep. So I had to. I had to keep on going, right? You know how many of my friends' kids don't have other other kids? You know, and and how many people leave this world? Like, okay, this person died of a drug overdose. How can we help this? You know, in high insight, 2020 is is amazing. 2020 is a blessing. So, you know, like, how can we help it for the next person, right? And, And Chad was a donor, so I know that there's other people living through him. He had a child he was his girlfriend was pregnant when he passed away so we have keaton crosby he's he's a he's a legacy of chance i had all these things and yet that wasn't good enough for me i couldn't figure it out couldn't get it together so um you know i just i just started um praying to god and every day i came up with this and and here we are started a legacy called miller strong 17 foundation um and you got, off, you got off you got off the
0: meds you were on right
1: yeah so what i did is that you know my daughter uh she's uh taking some uh she she's uh getting into the master's program for psychology. So she just looked at me one day and she said, Aaron, mom, um, I don't think that you need to be on all these medications anymore. I'm like, really? Why? Like what's going on? Right. So I've been doing everything, but by this time I have lumps in my breast. I can hardly walk. I've gained 80 pounds. I'm peeing my pants. My diaphragm doesn't work. I am dying. I am literally dying from the inside out, despite every single thing I'm doing. So I decide I'm going to quit my job because being in a hospital setting isn't working for me anymore. Because for 11 days, I watched Chat on Life Support. So when I got back to work, I was seeing all these people, half dead people walking by my office. And then I started seeing all the tragedy that they told me that was going to happen, you know. And we're not, Canada was not ready for this at all. Right. At all. And if we were, we, we, if we were ready for it, we'd we miss the ball. Yeah, I don't think you know, any country's I mean, ready for it. Because I have an office, I'm the executive director. I have an office that just has an open door policy. So, you know, people are coming to the doctor and, and there's no help for them. And then the doctors are coming to me telling me, holy shit, there's no help for this person. And so I'm like, oh, my God, what are we going to do about this, right? And so I just, you know, I guess in, in, my, in my grief and my empathy and my compassion and all my love, I have no place for it to go anymore. I decide I need purpose and I'm gonna get motivated and I have wisdom. I don't know why I got so lucky. You know, why me, right? Like I got really, really lucky when I started at the hospital. I started there when I was seventeen years old in the kitchen. And I ended up being the executive director. I worked really hard. So super awesome, right? Yeah. Super awesome. Super awesome, right? So so I just decided, um, you know, when when Kaylee said that to me, I was like, okay, I need to get away from this. So, you know, I need to I need to actually go and say, Aaron, there was nothing different you could have done. There's not one thing you, different you could have done. I blame myself for the whole time, right? right? For two years, I thought I killed him. I signed the stupid piece of paper that said, let's take him off life support. Well, the minute he died, guess what? I was like, oh, I killed him. I murdered my own kid. Well, uh... that's not that, you know, in your sick way, in your grief <laughs> and the judgment and the you know, just just everything, right? And so so um, it was October 2017, I guess, I saw a friend of mine in the hallway at the hospital. And his name is Ben Mandel. He's a great friend of mine. And he walked right by me in the hallway. And I said to him, hey, Ben. He's like, "Aaron, I don't even recognize you. I'm like, oh, my God, Ben. I don't even recognize myself. So he brings me to his Hutterite colony. He's a very highly, uh, he's a minister of a Hutterite colony. He is my friend. Um, you know, their, their whole community has taken me in as their own for many years. They're supportive of me and all these kinds of things. And he says to me, Erin, when's the last time you prayed? I'm like, Ben, I'm mad at God. I, the day I, I, I stopped praying the day that, that Chad died. Right. It's the last day you prayed. And then he's like, maybe you might want to pray again. He <laughs> Literally, he knows I'm dead. Like, I'm, I'm walking around like a dead person. So that's the day I decided to say to God, either you tell me Chad's bigger purpose or you take me. One or the other. I don't right. care. It doesn't right. matter. And this is where my life just starts changing, changing around. Like you, you got to find Amber McFarland. You, you have to find Amber McFarland because Aaron, you care about women, right? This whole, this whole thing is like, so, so in the end, you know, even Chad had these identity issues, she didn't know who his biologic father was. So when I'm selling my house and I'm going through my filing cabinet, I look at this folder and it says Chad Butler. I'm like, oh shit, Chad probably saw this. I've forgotten about this, right? So when Chad was born, his name was Chad Fiddler. I was 15 years old. His dad was with me. And then it turned into a disaster. He became sexually abusive, emotionally abusive, and he was going to kill me. So I needed to get away from this guy. Right. So I did. You know, Chad was like maybe two years old. I got away from him and I needed to change his name. So his name was not going to be Chad Fiddler. I mean, Chad was never going to have anything to do with this guy. Right. I mean, right. no. I mean, You know, so 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 I'm pretty sure Chad. You know, in hindsight, saw this quote when he was in around grade 12. When I told him when he's going to university, oh yeah, your your birth certificate is in the filing cabinet, and he goes to the filing cabinet and boom, this is Uh, what he sees. He sees all these notes of this man that is going to kill his mom. All these notes are in there about I'm going to kill you. This is how I'm going to kill you, and this is what I'm going to do to you, and then I'm going to kidnap Chad from daycare. So. All these things that happened to me when I was 15 years old. Chad's reading as a 15-year-old, so maybe like an 17-year-old, and he's going to go kill his biological dad. I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. But I don't realize that he's even seen this until I decide I'm going to move. And I have to get rid of all this old shit, right? Like, So I go through my filing cabinet, and in there there's a note from Chad, and it says, I had no idea things were this hard. Mom, Mom, you you made it sound like I was missing out on something. Because, like, what was I supposed to say to him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always just said to him, I always just said to him if you ever want to meet me, you know, Dad, like, I totally can take you. That's what I used to say. And that, you know, in hindsight, you know, right now, I don't know that I can say that I would have changed anything. I did the best I could with what I've been given. Yeah. Right? So in his mind, so now I have his journal, okay? So now I have his journal. So his journal is written one month before he passes away. His teacher tells him all these topics he has to talk about, and he talks about in there how he was going to kill his biological dad when he was in grade twelve, wow. and that you know how it made him feel when he would come off the ice and his dad wasn't there. I mean, he had a stepdad, and his stepdad was awesome. I mean, right. super awesome, right? But it wasn't his dad, right? Right. So he had all these kind of issues. That when I was reading this about a year after he passed away, I am dumbfounded. I am so dumbfounded. I'm like I had no idea. So then I start talking to some of his friends and you know, maybe well just maybe we'll one one or two of two maybe three of his friends that say to me, "Oh yeah, this is a big problem for Chad. because it was a big problem for me too." And so they tell me their story about, you know, how come what their issues were, you yeah. know, and bullying and 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 how they didn't feel uh, treated very fairly through the school system and then I started connecting a lot of dots and I'm like well shit I never felt that freaking awesome either through all my stuff I just never tried these drugs because I got pregnant and I had a lot of responsibility really early yeah you know I probably would have been down the same path if it wasn't for my life experience right so so you know Chad is this kind of guy that just doesn't leave people behind he under he, he could see like kind of the underdog in the change room or wherever and and he's just a really good guy. And I just didn't really want anyone to ever forget him. Right. And I wanted to start a legacy and memory of everyone's best friend. I wanted to start stamping his name all around the world. And every other person that's been kind of screwed over or mother that is having a hard time, like she'd come with us and, We'll just figure it out. Right. And, and we're just going to do it. And, and, uh, yeah. For us, and, 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 you know, I got really, you know, I went, went, around and I, you know, I had a board, I have a board of directors. I have a, you know, have, I have investors, I have, you know, accountants, I have lawyers, I have all these things. And for the next day for that to happen seems absolutely ridiculous. And in, in retrospect, months later, I still, you know, everyone will have their perspective of how that happened to me. Right. But all I can do is share my story and that's what happened to me.
0: Well, tell, and, me, tell me about the foundation. So tell me about Miller yeah. Strong 17 and, 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 and what it does and, and what your goal is there.
1: Yeah. So right now, unfortunately, the actual foundation sits. It can't do anything right now because I was um, taken out of a place uh, by the RCMP um, many months later, there is a perceived conflict of interest because um, the place where I was taken out of uh, one of the one of the members of the of my board of directors is an owner of that place. Um, it's just where the doctors are, and and you know the reason why she is on my board of directors is because she's a doctor. Um, she's a woman. Uh, she's a woman of minority that knows exactly what we what we need to do for women's health initiatives. That's why she's on my board, and so you know we've been told that this is a conflict of a conflict of interest because she is on my. Is on my board and and that I'm suing suing them, and you know so we're really blessed that people have told us that there's a conflict of interest we didn't realize there's a conflict of interest because I'm not suing anyone, right? I did put in a I did put in a complaint like I should, like 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 absolutely we should. I'm not suing anyone. I mean suing doesn't work anyways. I mean I, I could have sued I could have sued the university for for Chad dying and out their watch. I could have sued the, the 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 paramedics for putting Narcan in this wrong arm. I could sue the Chicago Blackhawks if I wanted to, but Suing doesn't bring him back, and it right. doesn't make change. Right. All it does is make me broke.
0: Right. So I, the, so the not foundation's not on hold right now. So then, what? What? Uh, what? What are you doing right now, so, other than talking to us? Yeah.
1: So <laughs> yeah. So what the foundation really is about? It's about purpose, right? And so it's about purpose. Like everyone needs a purpose. It's about legacy, and it's about uh, community connection, and then it's about change and hope and love. So I'm still doing that as Miller Strong 17. I'm just not doing it through the foundation so we're not able to accept donations yet and that's okay at the right time we will be able to i see this is a worldwide organization if we accept one dollar in donations our our ass could be sued in one second
0: i see and that's just the way
1: it works and i wish it didn't work that way but that is what that is what that is why i tried that's why i was doing the trust right i knew that we were going to make changes my board has been very brilliant So I was the only one that actually was like, no, we cannot do this. And they're like, Aaron, you're, you're too in it. You don't understand our job as the board. You picked us as your board. Our job as the board is to make sure we protect the board of directors. And there might be a conflict of interest coming up. We don't know what's going to happen with all this stuff. You are standing up for you. Believe in you went to a mental institution because you weren't letting these people control you anymore. (laughs) Like I know that. And they're like, "And, and the same people are still trying to control you. So, we are helping you. So right now, what we're doing is, uh, I'm writing a book. What, what ended up happening is the day that I got, you know, detained is that I was like, "This is a book." <laughs> this became a book. Right. So um, my book is coming out on uh, August 20th, which would be Chaz's 26th birthday. Okay. And you know, the whole purpose was it really just to rewrite his story. Yeah. And so now the book's coming out. Um, well, I'm hoping on August 20th, my guy that's putting my book together for me, he's like you can't say that. Like, we got a lot of work to do. And I'm like, well, Godspeed, guy, Godspeed. <laughs> Let's get it done. <laughs> and, uh, so it'll be on sale on Amazon. We have, uh, you know, uh, millerstrongbook.com. You can go to and, you know, kind of follow where we're at, what we're doing. You know, I also have the Facebook page and Instagram, Erin Aaron Miller, ErinMarieMiller17. Um, you know, just kind of following our journey as we go. Uh, I never thought that I would be in a position like this. I feel extremely blessed and grateful to be standing here and being able to talk to you about these things that are really, really crappy. Every single thing I'm talking about is crappy, but there, there is hope. There, yep. there is hope. And one person at a time, we can actually make the big change. Right? We can, we can be the change. And, and, and we don't need to call it, we can call it whatever you want, but I call it Miller Strong because I needed a purpose. And, you know, and, 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 you know, my, my girlfriend, Lita Schimmel, her, her son died also. And she calls it Ethan's dream because, Ethan died when he was ten years old. That was their only kid, right? And so we call it whatever you want to call it, but we just we just need to make some changes. So there'll be times where you know, I, I, right now I'm looking for policy change on lots of things. Um, you know, as I as I continue to uh, gain ground on my story and and as, as my popularity kind of keeps on going and people are buying into what I'm saying, yeah, you know, I, I need you know I need I need to be able to sit down with you know. The Donald Trumps of this world and Justin Trudeau's of this world, and actually make some real changes because you know what? They're not winning either. I mean, someone like Justin Trudeau—he's suffocating right now. He doesn't know what to do. Yep. Well, I think Nobody you're knows what to do. We're in a crisis.
0: Yep. I think What's you're dying? on. I think you're on the right path, Aaron. And I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you being willing to share your story and Chad's story with us. And I think that you know, someone who listens to this episode of the podcast will, you know, it'll make a difference in their lives. And that's the whole reason we do this. And, and I, I appreciate you. I appreciate you sharing the story. I am sorry that you had to go through what you had to go through. Um, yeah. I can't, I thank can't you. even imagine I'm a mother. And so I just yeah. don't even like to go there, but no, thank you. Um, thank, thank you. But thank you but
1: for I'm sharing. A, we're okay. We're okay. I, you know, for the grace of God, we we all got through it. Right. And so we found his bigger purpose and And so thank you. Thank you for every single thing that every single person is doing. They're doing the best they can with what they've been given.
0: Absolutely. And so your book, Mm -hmm. Miller Strong, will hopefully be out um next month and will be available on Amazon and anybody listening, you should um you can get it there. Thank you, Erin. What we'll
1: do is yeah, we'll we'll have bookmarks in the book. So basically what that is about it will say, you know, if you want to help Miller Strong along our journey, this is how you can do it. And if you need help from us, this is how you can do it, you know. So you know, as, as we keep on growing, we just, you know, one person at a time, we just want to make the good positive change, right? I Abs- mean, absolutely. Yeah, that's all we can do.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, so God bless us all. Erin, thank you so much for talking to us thank today. You. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope that Erin's story was as meaningful to you as it was to me. I feel so badly that she had to lose her son. I and my hope is that anybody listening to this podcast doesn't have to experience that kind of pain. So thank you for listening. Please uh, be sure and subscribe to our podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, and please give us a five-star review. It helps us spread the word. And if you do that, you will know that you are helping in this whole war against drugs and this whole war against addiction. We'll talk to you next week. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation
1: program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.